Lord, may the words in my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I'm not sure if you uh, just noticed this or not, but you just read an entire book in the Bible. You see, there are uh, 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, uh, and you just read one of them in its entirety, Paul's letter to Philemon. What may surprise you uh, is that it's not even the shortest book in the Bible. It's, uh, it's not even the second shortest book in the Bible. Uh, those titles go to the uh, books of 2nd and 3rd John, uh, with 3rd John being the shortest. Instead, at 468 words in English, uh, 335 in Greek, uh, it is the third shortest book in the Bible. But as we begin to uh, dig into this letter today, what it means for us, I would encourage you to not let its size deceive you. Because this little book has much to say to us. Much to say to us about what it means uh, to not just walk the walk, or not just talk the talk, but to walk the walk as followers of Jesus. It has much to say to us about, about what it looks like to have a conflicted, or divided, or perhaps even a a relationship that is impacted by sin, and yet nevertheless seek reconciliation. And as much to say to us about Jesus, our Lord and Savior, uh, who makes that kind of reconciliation, that kind of forgiveness possible. And so uh, you see it's with uh, those brief thoughts in mind uh, that I'd like to share the story Uh, behind the reading you just heard, because it sheds all sorts of light and colors, uh, the letter which you just heard. And what you need to know about this this letter uh, is that it is a letter with a backstory, and that backstory involves three people in three cities. And I'd like to start by exploring those cities and then seeing how the people fit into them. And the first of those cities uh, is the city of Ephesus. Uh, you may know it because Paul writes a letter uh, to the church in Ephesus. It's called Ephesians. But what you may not know is that the city of Ephesus in Paul's day is home to some 250,000, a quarter of a million people. And so it's ranked up there with, uh, with cities like Alexandria and Rome in the ancient world in terms of prominence and wealth and status. And, and Paul, Paul spends about three years there uh, during his ministry to the Gentiles, uh, doing ministry, starting churches, and, and pastoring people uh, for the glory of God. And if, if you're wondering where the city of Ephesus is located, all I want you to do is imagine Uh, the country of modern-day Turkey in your head, and then place a little dot on the far western edge, far western tip. That is the city of Ephesus. That brings us uh, to the second city uh, that we encounter in today's reading. Uh, This is the city of Colossae. And if uh, if Ephesus is the, the wealthy urban metropolis on the sea, then Colossae is the small inland town that used to be a big deal a bunch of generations ago, but now is no longer a big deal. And it's located about 100 miles east 
of Ephesus, which is to say somewhere in the middle of modern-day Turkey. And just like the city of Ephesus, Paul writes a letter to the church in Colossae. It's called Colossians. But Paul, uh, to the best of our knowledge, actually never visits the city of Colossae during his life and during his ministry. And so you've got Ephesus, you've got Colossae, and then the third city you've got is the city of Rome. And the city of Rome needs no introduction other than to say that it's located some 800 miles west of Ephesus, some 900 miles west of the city of Colossae, and uh, it's the city where Paul is imprisoned uh, at the end of his life, and it's from Rome that Paul writes uh, a number of his letters, including the letters to Ephesus and the letter to Colossae and the letter you just heard, the letter to Philemon. So you got three cities. You got Ephesus, you got Colossae, and you've got Rome. And then you got these three people who are in these three cities. And you already know the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, he uh, is a founder of many New Testament churches and, uh, and the writer of 13 books in the Bible. Uh, but there are two other important characters in the reading you just heard. And the first of those people is a man named Philemon. And Philemon is, uh, is the recipient of the letter you just heard. He lives in the city of Colossae, the second city uh, that I just mentioned to you, the, the small town, inland Turkey, and, uh, and he writes, and he's the recipient of this letter. And what we know about Philemon is that he's a friend of Paul's. And he becomes a Christian because of uh, Paul's missionary activity. And this happens either uh, in the city of Colossae, you know, Paul is uh, sending messengers or sending a message, and, and Philemon receives those messengers. He hears that message, and he comes to believe in Jesus. Or, uh, much more likely than that, uh, Philemon travels from the little city of Colossae to the city of Ephesus, perhaps on business, and while he's there, he bumps into the apostle Paul, and as a result of that encounter, he becomes a Christian. Either way, it's uh, Paul's missionary activity that leads Philemon to become a Christian. And what we also know about him is that Philemon is a man of some wealth and some prominence. And we know this because uh, when Philemon returns to Colossae, uh, his house is actually large enough that he begins to host one of the churches that meets in that city, uh, demonstrating that he has some wealth and some prominence. And to top it all off, the last thing that we know about Philemon uh, is that he was also the owner of some slaves. Uh, one of those uh, socially accepted atrocities uh, that went on in the ancient world. And so you got Paul, you got Philemon, and finally uh, you get this man named Onesimus. And Onesimus is, uh, is one of Philemon's slaves, and his name quite literally means useful. Useful, uh, which he was, until one day he decides to run away. And based on this letter, to the best of our knowledge, uh, we believe that's either because uh, Onesimus was caught stealing from Philemon, or perhaps uh, Onesimus was trying to avoid some sort of punishment uh, that he may or may not have deserved. Either way, uh, he runs away and he flees. And, and there's some debate about where Onesimus goes, but most scholars are convinced that Onesimus flees from the city of Colossae, not to the city of Ephesus, uh, but rather 900 miles west to the city of Rome. 
And if this is the case, uh, the reason behind this decision actually has some pretty sound logic behind it. The idea being that uh, in Paul's day, there were people whose job it was to simply go out and find runaway slaves and then bring those people back to their master. And and when they were returned to their master, uh, they would be punished severely. Uh, They'd be punished either uh, by being branded with the the Roman letter F on their forehead, F as in fugitivus, uh, the Latin word that means fugitive, or they'd be punished by being uh, beaten or abused in some way, or they would be punished simply by being put to death. And we don't know how Philemon would have treated this, but what we do know is that when Onesimus travels from Colossae, most likely to Rome, the idea behind this is in the city of Rome, there are enough people there that he can just fade into the background. And that perhaps in the city of Rome, uh, he can begin to start a life of his own. You see, that brings us uh, to the next chapter in Onesimus' story. You see, at some point in the city of Rome, Onesimus, uh, who at this point is not a Christian, also meets the Apostle Paul. We're not entirely sure how that happens. I mean, Paul's in prison. Uh, Onesimus is a runaway slave. And so it's not inconceivable that at some point in the city of Rome, uh, Onesimus does something that lands himself into jail. And maybe, just maybe, uh, he finds himself in jail near the Apostle Paul. Or or perhaps Onesimus remembers that his uh, former master, Philemon, had a relationship with Paul and that he finds out that Paul is also in Rome and so at some point he decides to go and look him up. Or maybe, just maybe, it's a coincidence. Maybe it's one of those God-ordained and sort of encounters. Either way, uh, some combination of his encounter with Paul and uh, Paul's missionary activity leads Onesimus to also become a Christian, just like his master, Philemon, and that leads us uh, to the twist in his story that results in the letter you just heard. See, Onesimus becomes a Christian, and he begins to develop a relationship with Paul, a relationship of great affection. In the letter you just heard, uh, Paul writes to Philemon, and when he writes about Onesimus, uh, he describes him as his son. You see, they they develop a relationship of great affection. At some point, Paul convinces Onesimus that because he is now a Christian, he can no longer go on living his life on the road. Uh, that the right thing to do is, uh, is to go back to Philemon, to return to Colossae, and to seek reconciliation with his master, who has also now become his brother in the family of God. I think this is, goes without saying that this is an incredibly challenging and incredibly demanding request of him. I and mean, just picture Onesimus' face when he's having this conversation with Paul. You want me to do what? And yet the hope we have and and the good news that Jesus brings is that something like this, forgiveness and reconciliation, isn't just a good idea. It's actually possible. It's actually possible for people like Philemon and Onesimus. It's actually possible for people like like me and you. And it's actually possible for anyone who finds himself or who finds herself 
in the family of God, reconciliation is actually possible. So you see, that is, uh, that's the story uh, behind Paul's letter to Philemon. It's a story that involves uh, three people in three cities. And what I want to suggest today is that each of these people has a message for us. I want to start with uh, Onesimus, whose message shows us uh, what it means to belong to Christ, what it means to belong to the body of Christ. Uh, And and I think uh, if Onesimus were here today, he would say that belonging to the body of Christ, belonging to Christ himself, it's the good news. It's the good news because Jesus determines our value and Jesus determines our worth. You see, before Onesimus became a Christian, uh, he was a slave. and His value and his worth was determined by his usefulness to his master. And then when, uh, when Onesimus decides to take matters into his own hands, when he flees, when he runs away, uh, his value and his worth, it is determined uh, by what he can accomplish. Now, the problem is, the best that Onesimus can accomplish is pretending to be something he is not. I mean, have you ever had an experience uh, where that rang home for you? The best I can accomplish is pretending to be something I'm not. But you see, when Onesimus becomes a Christian, his value and his worth, it's no longer determined by his status. It's no longer determined uh, by what he can accomplish. His value and his worth are decided by Jesus. Jesus who says to Onesimus, Onesimus, you belong to me. See, that's the good news uh, that Jesus speaks to each and every one of us. Jesus looks at us and he says, you belong to me. Your value, your worth, it's no longer determined by your status. It's no longer determined by what you can accomplish. It's determined by me and I say to you, you are a dearly loved child of God. You see, that's, uh, that's the good news, uh, that belonging to Christ is the good news. But you see, this good news, it also comes with a challenge. And the challenge is to, to begin to care about the kind of things that Jesus cares about because we have a new master and we belong to him. And so all of a sudden, there are these things that we can no longer take for granted. Things like reconciliation, which brings us uh, to Onesimus in that moment uh, that Paul says to him that he's got to go and seek reconciliation. You want me to do what? You see, the answer is obvious. Of course he's going to go. Of course he's going to seek reconciliation. Because he belongs to Jesus. He's going to listen to him. And so uh, there's this good news, this good news that Jesus speaks to you, that Jesus determines your value. Jesus determines your worth. You are his child. You belong to him. But this good news also comes with a challenge, the challenge to begin to care about the things he cares about, the challenge to listen to him, even when it's hard even when it's difficult. You see, that's, uh, I believe, is Onesimus' message to us, which brings us to Paul, who shows us uh, what Jesus actually makes possible. 
What I want to do is, uh, is direct you to what, uh, what Paul says in verse 18. You see, uh, what Philemon, or Paul says in verse 18, uh, Paul is writing this letter to Philemon, and he is encouraging Philemon to receive Onesimus back, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. And, and, and to convince him that he should do this, Paul writes this in verse 18. He says, if he, Onesimus, has done you anything wrong, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. And it's this incredible act of love. You see, we don't know what Onesimus has done to wrong Philemon. We just know uh, that in addition to running away, there's something conflicted in that relationship. And, and yet when Paul uses these words... He reminds us what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. See, Jesus goes to the Father and says, forgive them. He says, forgive Dan and Jan. Forgive Eric and Laura Lee. Forgive Mike and Steve. Forgive them. And if they owe you anything, charge it to my account. You see, Paul doesn't just show us Uh, what Jesus can make possible. He also shows us what Jesus can make possible through each of us. There might just be a time in our lives when we are called to forgive, and even though we have been hurt, even though we have been wronged, even though uh, we are right and the other person is not, we might just be called to do something like this. Or maybe, uh, maybe there will be a moment where you are called to place yourself in the middle, to use what you have, your time, your money, your reputation, to use it to bring about reconciliation because God calls all of us to use our lives as a living witness. If he owes you anything, if she owes you anything, charge it to my account. See, that finally uh, brings us uh, to Philemon. And, uh, and his message, I think, is less a message but more of a question to each of us. And, and I think the question he asks is, uh, how does this story end? You see, the answer to that question is uh, that, honestly, we don't really know. But I think there are two things uh, that suggest that maybe, just maybe, uh, Philemon goes on to, uh, to welcome and to receive Onesimus back. And the first of those things is the fact uh, that this letter exists today. I mean, uh, just remember, uh, Paul writes this letter. He gives it to Onesimus, and Onesimus brings it with him to Philemon. And if Philemon does not welcome Onesimus back, there's a very good chance uh, that this letter just ends up on the trash heap. We see the second thing is this. Uh, Many years later, uh, we have this record, uh, this record of a, a brand new bishop who gets installed in the city of Colossae. Philemon and Onesimus' hometown. You see, uh, Paul never traveled there. He started the church in, uh, in Colossae. He sends a man named Epaphras to get it started. And Epaphras is the first bishop in the city of Colossae. Many years later, we have the record of the installation of a brand new bishop whose name is Onesimus. And we can't say for sure. We don't know if this man is Onesimus, but I I do think that it points uh, to the power of Christ to bring about uh, reconciliation, things like this in the lives of people like me and you. 
And so here we have it, this, this little letter. And yet my hope and prayer is that this little letter would have a big impact in your life. As you consider what it means to be a Christian, what it means to belong to Christ, and, and what it means and what it makes possible, both in your relationship with the Father, but also in your relationship with one another as you respond to the challenge that Jesus issues to each and every one of us, a challenge that flows out of his good news. As you seek reconciliation, or as you enable reconciliation, and as in his name you serve as a living witness, forgiving others, just as he has forgiven you. May God grant that to you for Jesus' sake. Amen.